Hey, welcome to New Hope Underground. That's right. Home of the new and approved fresh lemon scent. <laughs> That's right. Hey, we have a really, really good episode for you today. Oh, our episodes are good. You shouldn't have to say it, but good episode for you today. And uh, we've got a, a testimony coming up. You do not want to miss this. And I just want to give you a little bit of a... Uh, I guess warning that today is a is a longer episode. I mean, we're looking at like over an hour here, probably by the time you get done. But I just didn't know how to split it up. It's so good, you just need to hear the whole thing. So uh, I just I ask you just to stay with it and and you know if if you can't listen to the whole thing at once, that's okay. Come back to it. Press pause. Come back. But I tell you what, it's just really really good. So uh, without any further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey, stuffers. Welcome back to Stuff with Tyler. It's the part of the show where I tell you some stuff. We've had one episode of Stuff with Tyler in this new season. This is episode number two within the episode. And I am so honored and humbled uh, by a guest that I have on today. Uh, he's my second favorite person on staff. He's a production engineer. Uh, Outreach Magazine claimed that he was the number one production designer in all of church, uh, churchdom. You know him. You love him. His name is Matthew Nieberg. You welcome, Matt. Hey, hey. Thank you for that awesome welcome. That complete lie. Uh, uh, yeah, a lot of it's a lie. <laughs> Most. What, what part of it wasn't a lie? I don't remember all of it, but I mean, the church production, that was definitely um, a lie. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Do you, are it's you familiar with Outreach Magazine? Do you know that's a magazine? I feel like I've heard of it. I don't know if they actually. I'm not like a reader of it all the time, but. Name your top five magazines that you read. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's why I don't read it. Yeah, I don't I read magazines. Yeah, I don't know. Do, do people still read magazines? I don't know. I want to drink that coffee so bad, but it's going to make so much noise on this mic. Should I just do it? Oh, yeah, do you, it. You say something while I take a drink. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I have no clue. Tyler, you definitely, asked the wrong person. You definitely, <laughs> you definitely heard that. Um, well, yeah, I, I asked Matthew, Matt, to... Do people call you Matthew? Oh, uh, both. Mostly uh, Matt. <laughs> I asked Matt to come on here knowing full well that he doesn't like to talk for long periods of time. So this is a great guest to have on a podcast, which is all talking. Yep. Uh, but basically, the point of stuff with Tyler is we come on, we tell you what's going on in the life of New Hope Church. Uh, sometimes we go beyond that, sometimes we don't. Um, but we'll, because Matt doesn't like to talk, we'll try and keep it pretty, uh, we'll try and keep it pretty locked in for this awesome. episode. Does that sound good? I appreciate that. Awesome. <laughs> I think a couple of things we talked about last time on Stuff with Tyler were youth conference coming up and uh, Burger Bash. And those things have already happened. They've come and gone. They both went really well, uh, yes, wouldn't yes. you say? You, yep. were, you were at all the youth conference. I was at all of youth conference. I thought it went great. Um, and then I had Sturkey Burger Bash d- DoorDash to me. So oh, did you? Did from some, my mom. Whoa. She, uh, because I had the good old COVID. So Same. I, we both, fun fact, you and I both had COVID. 
like the same stretch of time. Yep. We were both locked in for the same week. So we're both coming off of that. That's yeah. why my voice probably sounds weird and deep. I don't know. Your sounds, yeah. your sounds pretty normal. normal. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. Uh, that's cool. We should have, we should have door dashed. Yeah. We should have made that a thing we did on for burger bash. Yeah. That would have been sweet. Sweet. Was it good? Was it good door dash? Do you have to reheat yeah. it? Yeah. No, I, well, I probably should have reheated it, but I was too hungry. To, <laughs> uh, to that's awesome. Well, I bring it up to say uh, it went super well. From what I heard, I could get this number wrong. Tell me if I got get this number wrong. Was it fifty eight hundred bucks? Was I think that right? So. Yeah, fifty eight hundred dollars raised, which will cover the costs of the Mission Indy team members, uh, cover the remaining costs of of their trip. So that's awesome. So thank you to everyone who came out and supported uh, Mission Indy team members at Burger Bash. And yeah, youth conference was a huge success. Over a hundred youth. You you were exhausted that weekend, right? That was pre-COVID. Yep. Probably where you got the probably COVID. Where I got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's no. That's not a. That's not an official statement. I don't know where we. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know where we I'm got sure COVID. it's not. I, no, I mean I spent like 72 hours there, but I'm sure. It's, <laughs> and then got COVID like two days later. I'm sure it was from <laughs> something else. It was definitely not from that. Um, but yeah, so those were awesome events that happened and are over. And now we're looking into the month of July. Uh, July is a pretty slow month in terms of uh, events. A lot of people travel in, um, in the church. And so hard to get a bunch of people together when everyone's going on vacations and summer sports and all that. Um, but one thing I wanted to keep in front of everyone was we need volunteers, um, at all of our campuses and most all of our ministries. And so if you have still not stepped up to volunteer, now's the time, Matt, he leads our production team at our Effingham campus. And one of the big roles of the production team specifically in Effingham is broadcasting the sermon to our other campuses and online. So there's a lot of moving parts specifically in Effingham. So Matt could maybe use people. I don't know. Do you yeah. want people? Yeah, for sure. Uh, always looking for more people. <laughs> uh, more people, the better. And and I guess not just my ministry needs volunteers, but like Tyler said, everyone does. So Yeah, kids team really needs them. Youth is recruiting right now just with they're going to be kicking off small groups in the fall. So now's a good time to jump in with our youth teams. So if you are interested in volunteering, you can go fill out an interest form at newhopechurch.cc slash volunteer, and somebody will reach out to you from there. You're not committing to anything up front, um, but it's a good opportunity to talk to you and you let us know which areas you're interested in serving. Uh, So check that out. Uh, There are a couple campus events coming up in the month of July. I don't know when this episode's airing in relation to when they're going to get promoted, but our Newton campus, our Shelbyville campus are having parties at the park. So keep your eyes and your ears out for that. Uh, More details to come on those. But in the month of July, there will be some really awesome uh, pool parties slash cookouts uh, for both of those campuses. So keep that in mind. And a real sneak peek for underground listeners that is way ahead of the curve is Love Week, which is a brand new thing we're rolling out here at New Hope uh, in the month of August. It'll be kicking off early August, so you can mark your whole first half of the month because I don't remember the dates off the top of my head. I think it's August 7th, the week of August 7th. Does that sound right? I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. Something around there. You'll know closer to time. But Love Week is going to be awesome. It's an opportunity for us to love others throughout our communities. We're going to have projects throughout Effingham and Newton and Shelbyville for us to all get plugged in and get involved and love others and serve our community. And so it's going to be a really awesome week of service projects. So keep your eyes peeled for that. We're excited for that. Um, And yeah, we're just going to keep rolling into the fall where more stuff's going to happen, but that's pretty much it for the month of July. 
Matt, thanks for uh, coming on here to stop yeah. with Tyler. Thanks for having me. Any on. anything you want to say? To, I mean, I, this is oh, your man, chance. This is my chance. This is to your talk mic to, this, to like the whole stuffer, the uh, whole stuffer community. Yeah, they all they've yeah. all been clamoring for what's I, Matt got to say. I don't know. <laughs> tell I us. Have, I have nothing. Tell <laughs> us. Should should people buy crypto right now? Oh man, Bitcoin. I can't give financial advice, <laughs> <laughs> especially not on a podcast. Uh, ev- Matt Matt knows a lot more about crypto than anyone you know. Whoever's li- if you're listening right now, you can go and pull over and you can look through your contact list <laughs> on your phone. And Matt Nieberging knows more about crypto than anyone in your contact list. Uh, so yeah, don't ask him for financial advice, but he is the person who would know most about when to hold, sell, <laughs> and buy your Bitcoin. Um, and right now, it's not doing great. Yeah. So yeah. I guess buy. <laughs> Better time to buy now than it was six months ago. Yeah. So and who knows? Look at it like And that. in six months, it could be even a worse time it to could buy. Be very well, much worse. Or a, a, good, a better time to I don't know. I don't yeah. understand. I don't. Uh, none of it's real, Matt. Yep. None it's, of it's. It's all fake. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. We'll have you back for Crypto Corner on Stuff with Tyler oh, awesome. next time. I gave Matt. Did, I, did we say this already? I gave you no prep time for this. I texted you right before we recorded. And I said, hey, where are you? And you said, almost at work. And I said, come up to the office and let's record this. And he said, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always the worst when you ask somebody where they are before you ask them what you need. Yeah. Cause then you, you couldn't even like back out. Yep. You were like, you were already like, I'm already on my way to work. So yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that's always <laughs> a tough one. But. Uh, awesome. Well, crypto corner next time, probably Sounds not, good. but maybe yeah. you can just, just be <laughs> tossing it around. Maybe I'll, I'll think about maybe it. Maybe you'll hear from Matt again. That was stuff with Tyler. Thanks for joining us now back to whoever's taking it from here. Hey, welcome to spotlight. This is the time of the podcast where we sit down with someone here at New Hope Church. And I have with me today, Justin Henderson. What's up, Justin? Not much. Glad you, to be here. How you doing? Doing good. Hey, you're in my podcast studio slash office. You think I'm here. I'm really, I'm just playing mind games, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a matrix. It's right. matrix. Anyway, hey, glad you're here today. And I, I we what we try to do with Spotlight anyway is just sit down with someone, have a good talk about just, you know, where you've been in life, where Jesus has taken you and that kind of thing. So, Justin, let's just start. Why don't you just kind of introduce yourself to the audience, if you would. I mean, maybe how long you've been coming to New Hope and about your family a little bit and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, again, Justin Henderson. I'm uh, Most people know me as the cybersecurity nerd who has a business in town but works all over the globe and trains Fortune 500s. Um, <laughs> that's an awesome moniker to have. It, it is. Uh, it, it's it's a little uh, cumbersome. It's a title that people label me, and uh, I'd really rather just be known as Justin Henderson, the husband of Alexis Henderson, with three awesome kids who also drive me crazy, and uh, <laughs> you know the little hobby farm with animals that I like to spend time with, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of a lot of kids in our kids ministry know your house. Yeah, right, because they've I'm, been out there. You got it's almost like a petting zoo at your house. It is. It I is. Understand. Miniature horses, miniature cows, miniature donkeys, miniature and, everything, rabbits, chickens, you name it. And uh, I slowly want to grow that out. And a lot of that is to spend time with, you know, fellows, Christians, unbelievers. I don't care. It, it, you'd be surprised how much being out in nature with animals just opens people up. So, oh, no, that's cool. That's awesome. Now, how long you guys been married? Oh, 
Lexus, if you're listening to this, I apologize. I don't know, about 15 <laughs> years, I think. I mean, it's been a while. That's awesome. And how many kids? How old? And Three kids, nine, eight, and two. Wow. Yeah. You get your hands full and you get a bunch of animals. Bunch of animals. So, yeah. And then you've got the cybersecurity business. So, I mean, just all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, I stay busy. Now, how long have you been at New Hope? Because you were kind of born and raised here almost, right? Yeah, I was born and raised in uh, Effingham. Kind of really, I lived out in Mason. Um, but I've been going to New Hope, I believe, within the year after it was founded. Okay. Like, I, I remember, you know, back when it was the small little building, 180 used to be behind the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Things have changed just a little behind bit. Behind the liquor store. That's right. Yeah. Parents pick, drop off their kids. I think 180 even got accused at one point of serving liquor to students. Uh, probably. Not probably. sure that ever really happened. I doubt it. I doubt <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. So, you're, yeah, you're from, you were in Mason. Yes. Now, but for, for some of our listeners, you know, Mason's kind of a southern suburb of, of Effingham. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just call it country. It's, it's farm fields. With a few houses. Horses, yeah. A few houses. You're, you don't really have neighbors. We say neighbors, but that means someone that in town would have been probably five blocks or more away from you. Yeah. Because the houses are, you know, they're adjacent properties, but they're not close. I got you. It's one of those, <laughs> it's one of those places where you're like, well, if it's not on one street, it must be on the other one. Yeah. That's you, about all You might to it. see your neighbor's house, but the neighbor's like the little figure in the distance, right? <laughs> you can't yell to them. It's too far. I got you. I um, got you. So and you've been at New Hope for then for... Since you said you started attending, did you start at 180 with the uh, kind of our kids uh, outreach thing? I feel like I might have even been there before 180 actually started. Okay. Um, I mean, New Hope was really small when we started going to it. It wasn't the first year, but it was shortly after that we started going. Yeah, because when New Hope first got started, it was in the YMCA for a while and then yeah. so it came out that. here. It was as soon as it came here is when we, my family started going. Okay. It's probably about 60 or 70 people probably attending at that time. Yeah, it's pretty small, yeah. Yeah, so it's been quite a few years ago. So you've been here quite a long time. Mm-hmm. What do you love about New Hope? Oh, I mean, really, New Hope, the focus on children, the next generation. Um, in my brain, for some reason, that just felt like an extremely caring, loving approach where a difference actually could be made. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's me being over analytical, but like my mind goes to like root cause and effect type things. And right. uh, I feel like there's a lot of impact when you focus at that young age. I mean, you think about marketing strategies, again, business mind, <laughs> 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 like you've got, yeah. you know, they used to do credit cards for Barbie dolls and like commercials would be aimed at kids. And why? Because yeah. now those kids are, you know, they're highly consumers of said product lines yeah. as you start young. Yeah. And I mean, not to be whatever, but how, how many folks on their deathbed truly actually convert? And even then, how genuine is it? But if you start young, that heart is so open, it's not shielded and guarded. And, you know, I was in need of that at that time, too. So right. maybe, again, there's kind of some cause and effect there. But uh, Well, it's so, like a huge percentage of people who actually become Christians do so between the like ages of like 5 and 14 or something like that. I mean, just it's a ridiculous percentage. Yep. Really high. Absolutely. No, that's fantastic. So now, oh, a lot of times when we sit down in an interview and we talk, we always talk about church and church going. But when it comes to actually following Jesus, you know, what can you just share a little bit of your your testimony as to why you're a Christian? You know, why you are you are a Jesus follower? Whew, I, 
I love and I hate that question, actually. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of both, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so uh, give a little back history on this because my I went to like a a school that was a church, the one actually just down the street from El Rancherito. Um, didn't know anything really about God. I don't ever really actually even being taught about God in that school, oddly. Maybe I was just too young. But it was one of those that, uh, like, mom could never show up without wearing jeans. Like, if she mm. wore shorts, she was going to go to go to hell. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. So mm. I don't. I really don't know why we went there. I wouldn't say at that time my my uh, parents were practicing Christians by any stretch. They moved to Effingham to get away from their families and all the drama there. Um, I think they really sent us there because it was known for teaching really good math and like secular curriculum, mm-hmm. and they were. Um, but fast forward a little bit to where we moved out in Mason It's 27 acres of land. Most of it was trees that we had to end up cutting down. And so my brother and I ended up working on the, we'll call it a farm, even though we're not farmers every day after school. And, uh, we move out there. I was probably about mm, somewhere between 10 and 12. Okay. So pretty young. And, uh, and you become an ax man. Yeah, become an ax man. Yeah. I mean, I, they didn't let me use the chainsaw. I don't know why, but I never got yeah, to use the chainsaw. I don't know why. You're 10 years old. Why don't you let me use the chainsaw? But yeah. I was really strong for that age because every day we'd haul trees and put them on a burn pile and they wouldn't let me handle the flames yeah, quite either. Quite the workout. But uh, yeah, so I mean, a lot of work. Child labor law probably should have been invoked a little bit. But uh, <laughs> uh, one day. All of a sudden, we realized that our neighbor, which is still probably, you know, five to six houses down the street, but mm-hmm. is our direct neighbor, mm-hmm. um, he's really mad at us, like furious with us. And we've not really ever talked to this guy, just don't know what's going on. And lo and behold, what we found out is in our field, we had mowed down and burnt his marijuana pile. Oh, no. Which is on our property. Right. Okay. Um, but it was his on your property. But it was his on our property. <laughs> and so he was mad. And of course, it was illegal back then. Uh, we didn't realize it at the time. But so we just figured, okay, well, it's our, our land. You shouldn't have had it anywhere. We'll just, problem will go away. Right. It did not. Really? It, it, it escalated and over and over. And the, the gentleman, um, I probably shouldn't call him a gentleman because he wasn't a gentleman. (laughs) (laughs) The man who wasn't so gentle. The man that who wasn't so gentle. um, He was a few screws loose. Like he thought he was a native American Indian and he was absolutely not no drops of blood of native American Indian. His father is actually a Baptist pastor. Oddly. Okay. So he, he, he's a white man who hates white men because he thinks he's a native American Indian. Okay. I don't never understood where that came from. But uh, so over the years, it would progress to we'd have hatchets in our posts with threatening, like, you're going to die. Good night. Um, watch your children. And so this like, guy was not all there. No, he was not there. Uh, and so, but in Illinois, this is the strangest thing. In Illinois, your neighbor can't stalk you. Like, it's, it's literally in the legal clause because they're your neighbor so therefore how could they stalk you there's actually a clause oh i see what you're saying it's not illegal for them to quote-unquote stalk you because their neighbors you're exactly neighbors, like it's, so they, yeah. it's it's effectively impossible under the letter of the law for a neighbor to stalk another neighbor because they live next to you so you had no state nothing to stand on nope nope so like cops kept coming out right and left and like nothing 
Nothing was getting done. Um, at this point, basically, my parents shielded us. So well, we'd still be out doing trees and getting the, pro- the property the way it was. But outside of that, like, I lived in a walkout basement. And it was effectively me and me and me. Mm. And my brother, who's three years older than me, um, by this time, he could drive. And so his response to this situation was just to leave. Mm. So he'd do any chores that he had to, and then he'd leave. He'd go to friends. He'd go, you know, when he had a girlfriend, he'd go basically live over there. Like, So you're by yourself a lot. I was by myself a lot. And my parents loved me and all that, but I was young, teenage, well, preteen at this point, boy mm-hmm. living in my basement. Um, part of why I'd say I'm so good with computers is because all I had was time to play on computers. Gotcha. So I would never classify myself as a hacker, um, although a lot of people would, but I could get the computer to do what I wanted it to do because I would figure out how to do that. Gotcha. So, yeah. so, so being a, an ax man yeah. uh, down living in your basement as a preteen. Yes. This is where you learn the intricacies of computer hacking. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I mean, I, I mean, looking back, this is what set me up for my, my current career space. Um, and I had friends, like I still hung out with friends and stuff, but at the end of the day, I felt very alone, very, um, I don't know, just like the world's not fair. I wouldn't say like angry, like walking around shaking my fist, but I was definitely resentful of, you know, how, how can this, where we live in, we live in America, like these kind of issues I could see like in Africa where they come and raid camps, but I effectively have this crazy guy living next to me who dictates my life Mm. and I have no say in it because we can't even move because you have to disclose this. Otherwise you're liable for all the stuff that could happen. Mm. And so we're literally trapped in this house. And uh, even when we go out to get on the bus, he would sometimes come down with like his wolf dogs and just basically try to threaten us there in our, in the easement, which is not technically your property. Good night. And so it's just like, obviously, slowly get some resentment. And so... So you uh, just could not get away from the stalker who wasn't officially a stalker. Correct. Yes. Without literally just staying in the house. Wow. Um, I mean, there were... How many years did that go on? A lot. Um, I would probably say somewhere between five and eight years of this. Good night. And at one point, he did go to jail uh, because... They had undercover cops stationed around the property as my dad was bush hogging our field and he was taking shots at him and you could hear him pinging off the tractor. Now, granted, they weren't like a, you know, an actual rifle or something. I think it was just an air rifle. A pellet gun or something. Yeah, but if you take a pellet gun and you pump it up as many times as he was, it's the same thing as a twenty-two. It's not going to not hurt. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you, you <laughs> could still kill hurt. someone with yeah. what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, and he would also take and make piles of rocks. So anytime we would be up there walking, driving, horse riding, because I horse rode a lot, um, he would mow it to shoot rocks at us. And so they got that plus him shooting the the pellet rifle at my dad, and he finally went to jail. But he got out on good behavior within, like I think, six months. (laughs) Good. And he was back doing the same things again? He was back doing the same things. It finally took us to take him to civil court to get rid of him. Good night. Well, I, I think we still have the highest awarded dollar amount of any civil suit in Effingham County. Really? Yeah. 
because he got hit on so many counts for so many people. Um, he finally, he finally left you alone then he, he flew. I think he lives down in Florida or something like that. He basically ran cause we haven't gotten a dollar from that and we didn't want any money from that. We just wanted to try wow. to put some pressure yeah. on him to get him to leave and it worked. So now uh, granted my parents lost a whole bunch of money. Like I, I, I would guess at least $50,000 and all that. Oh my goodness. And they got none of it back, but we finally got peace. Feel sorry for whatever family he moved in next door to again. Well, there was other there were other very nasty things with him, even with like let's say his own. Well, let's just not go there. That, that's a different story. It's not my story to tell, and I don't want to, any hearsay here. But, so. but but kind of the summary of it though is, I mean, it was a rough few years as growing up as a kid. You yeah. felt kind of alone. Yep. And kind of uh, isolated. Yep. So so let's just let's just imagine for a second that you're a young boy. Mm-hmm. Living in the basement of your house, which the basement is a fairly large basement, so I have lots of room with a fair, effectively no parental supervision. Your nope. imagination goes crazy. My imagination goes crazy. <laughs> I have access to the internet. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I, I can do whatever I want with computers. And so needless to say, at a young age, I got hooked into pornography. Mm. Um, first introduced by a family member. Won't say who it was because it's besides the point, right? They right. introduced it. The next thing you know, I'm searching for it, right? Mm. Uh, I got hooked at a young age. And it's kind of crazy because shortly or right in the middle of all this is when I started going to New Hope. So I'm a young man who feels like the world is just out to get him. Everybody treats him as this smart, kind, gentle child because I'm, I'm, I try to be very polite. Um, so people I know think highly of me. Right. I think very unhighly of me. Right. Because all this is going on behind the scenes. Because all, I mean, again, being angry at the world, plus knowing that even the pornography I'm getting in, even at that young of age, you know it's wrong. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to disappoint not just me, but even others. So I'm keeping a tight lip on this, right? Yeah. And uh, so I start going to New Hope and I can't remember. I think I might have actually been the reason. I think I actually said I wanted to go to church. And I, I, nobody introduced me. Just I felt that almost like a calling or a need, like, you know, come here. And right. uh, so we went and uh, that started changing my life very rapidly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think back then there was like, um, I remember getting into Surge and various like child programs back then. It was Dan and Stana Cravens. Love those so those were like that was like a kids program yes. surge. Okay. Yep. And so and they didn't know half, not even three quarters of all the stuff going on in my life, but it didn't matter because they welcomed me into their home. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them at various points would have one on one to just talk to me, not even about this stuff. It's just just like I felt welcome, and my parents I know always loved me, but it's just not the same thing. Sure. Um. And then I started opening up a little bit about the neighbor situation. Still didn't say anything about the pornography. And, um, well, that's, that's tough for, you know, kids just walk in and start talking to somebody. They don't know that well. It's tough for adults. We'll we'll get to that later. Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, needless to say, I did give my heart to the Lord. It was probably maybe right when 180 started or a little bit before that. Okay. Um, and then when 180 opened up, now all of a sudden you've got this kid who's bringing his Bible to school every day. And like even at a young age, I was able to talk to some other kids and actually bring them in and get they got saved. And I feel like I was 
part of that path, right? Still doing the pornography behind closed doors. Um, so I'm, I'm still actively living in sin, yet I felt like I was still on fire for God. And I would basically go periods of not doing anything, not going into pornography, and then cycling back and still have the neighbor situation going on. And um, I would say, unfortunately, I was a yo-yo. And on the same token, I'm reading the Bible almost every day. Hmm. In fact, I would almost say I did. I feel a better job of it back then than I do now. Um, I read the Bible multiple times through before I even finished high school. Was, was there something in you at that time that's probably like, I need to read the Bible because this is what's rescuing me to some degree? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I was the true peace that I would have. Like, even it's kind of weird. Like, as I was getting into the Bible, that situation with the neighbor, like, everybody in my family was still an emotional train wreck about that. And it st- still was going on. It didn't bother me anymore. Mm-hmm. Like being locked in the basement. I mean, I wasn't locked, but basically being on my own or even when there were situations that arose. Right. It's like I was abstracted from the trouble. Like even in that, like give you an example here. Once um, I was horse riding with my brother, which is odd because he doesn't really horse ride. And the neighbor turned his dogs loose on us. Hmm. And so my brother got thrown off the horse trying to get away from the dogs. I easily got away and then I swung back to check on him. My parents are chasing down my neighbor with shovels in their hands and like good night. He runs into the house. My mom calls the cops to tell him what happened. He calls the cops to say that we attacked him and drama, 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 right? And my mom and is like super emotionally upset and hurt for us. I'm hurt that my brother got hurt because he fell off the horse. He didn't break anything, but so he was okay. But other than that, I was actually at a very calm place with that situation where yeah. I, I should have yeah. been like, life's not fair. And I was just, I was just calm. So you feel like God was kind of working in you at that point? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I felt like that, that old poem or whatever they talk about with like the, the walking along the beach and the next Foot, thing you know. Footprints. The, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm being carried is what I felt like at that time. Yeah. You throw whatever you want at me. I'm going to be okay is what I... You were experiencing peace, but it wasn't yours. Yes. Necessarily. Yeah. Coming to you. Yeah. So, uh, about 17, 18 years of age, then uh, I started dating my now wife, Alexis, and um, her family, and I'll leave this if you ever want to talk to her about her testimony, but uh, her dad's in jail for pedophilic rape of I think the highest count of that in FAM County. I don't know why we're trying to get on the scoreboard so much here. <laughs> you see, you're got a lot of records in FAM County. That's right. That's, That's too bad though. Sorry. <laughs> Play the and, deliverance thing. Yeah. And her family is just, it's just rough. It's just rough. So you, you have this young woman whose life has been destroyed by folks effectively who have sexual issues. Hmm. And unbeknownst to her, she's dating me, who has issues with pornography. Hmm. I didn't tell her it. Didn't. Nope. In fact, like everybody in her family is ogling women as they drive down the road. And it's kind of funny that even though I have that issue, I try not to do that, period. Just as a general stance, it's wrong. I don't want to. Right. It's so freaking backwards that men can justify certain things, but then set a different standard for other. 
total mm-hmm. double standard. I'm calling myself a, you know, spade the spade here. Right. Right. Um, cause I, I, I treated her with respect. I, I tried to do things biblically with her. Um, I try not to like, I don't ogle. I don't say the things that other boys say to other boys about women. Like it's like, no, that's inappropriate. You shouldn't do that. Right. Um, so in an aspect, I'm almost a goody two shoe too far. Right. Right. Um, but I take care of her. I protect her to her from her own family. And we ended up getting married and I love her. She loves me. And I still have that porn addiction. And again, I'm, I'm cycling still through this whole thing. Right. 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 So, sometimes I can go months. Sometimes I fall back into it and it's like a daily occurrence. Well, I'm still going to new hope, still going to 180, still like, I'm still doing all the things I can. I'm still reading my Bible. I mean, maybe not every day, but I'm still trying to get, be a man of God. Right. While being at peace some days and others like hating myself, despising myself. And one of these days, all of a sudden it's like, I'm, I realize you know, what I'm doing is wrong. I don't know how I can keep doing this. And like, I got hit with, um, well, conviction. I was absolutely convicted. I was uncomfortable in my own skin to the point where I felt I was going to explode. Wow. Yeah. I show up to a, a, at this point I'm a young man. I go to a small group at church. Um, actually, I'm sorry, not this time. At that point, I just came out to Alexis, my wife, and I was like, hey, I'm doing this. It's wrong. I'm ashamed. I want to do right by you. I want to do right by God. And I broke her heart. Sure. Right. Because again, remember, I, I'm the guy that protected her from the same kind of trash in yeah. her family's life. But I almost blindsided her. In fact, I did blindside her because she has zero clue of all of this. Right. Because I'm sheltering her, <coughs> lying to her, right? Right. There's that justification. Yeah. In some ways you're thinking, yeah, I'm doing the good thing here. Yep. And by sheltering her and because all, of her past. For all you men listening to that, that's one of those lies we tell ourselves. It's an addictive behavior. So mm-hmm. I'm protecting her. No, no, actually I was not. Uh, and she had so much grace for me. I mean, after a few days, <laughs> <laughs> she was entitled to a lot, right? Uh, and man, she has such a big heart. She forgave me. Uh, we went to counseling. Um, you know, we stayed yeah. in touch. We, we, not only were we going to New Hope, but we tried to plug in even more. And uh, a couple of years, things just go great. And for whatever reason, I relapsed. Mm-hmm. And when I relapsed, it made me feel so defeated that it was like, well, what's the point? And so then all of a sudden, I'm right back in the midst. Mm. Uh, yes, yeah, depression sets in a little bit because you're just, well, I can't win. Yep. Kind yep. of thing. And you become you become a victim of yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> hardcore. Like I, I'm I'm not happy with myself. I don't want to have to cause my wife that much pain again. Right. And so I almost I, I went back into it even worse than I was before. At this point, mm-hmm. that goes on for a while. Uh, probably one two years. I'm horrible with timelines, but something like that. Again, I get hit with that conviction and. I hate the saying, but I know it's true that God works the most when we're at our worst, right? Mm-hmm. That's when we're willing to give it up to him. Our power's made perfect through. Yes. His power's made perfect through our weakness. Exactly. Yeah. Love that phrase, hate living in the moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so 
So at this point, I sign up for a small group, um, which at that time was interesting because the small group was like 20-something guys at any given day. So it was actually a fairly big group. Yeah, it's not very small. Day one of going to this, and Tyler's in it, and like a bunch of people I know, some I don't know, I announce, hey, guys, glad to be here. Um, I'm struggling because I have a porn addiction. And this is like three quarters into the lesson plan. <laughs> you and, just, just, and I just dropped just that bomb. Yeah. I just dropped that bomb. and Because uh, you're desperate. I was desperate. Yeah. I was absolutely desperate. And they all encouraged me to tell my wife again. Uh, but it, that moment, that moment in particular was like, if you've ever seen like a uh, Gru or Despicable Me or the Minions, like light bulb, right? <laughs> because this room full of 20 something guys, not one of them gave me that look, that disgust, that what a loser, the like judgmental look. And yeah. I, I don't know why, but for some reason, like I just expected like some just wouldn't say anything, but they'd, they'd look down at you. And here these guys are just being like, hey, that's, that's, you know, I actually think higher of you for being honest and you're, you're trying to deal with this. And right. at that moment, I realized that men, and this might not be true of all men, but we are scared, very scared to confess, especially to one another. Uh, I don't know why it is, but every single time I've gotten to a men's group, at least with New Hope, um, there's been so much love in lifting each other up and the points where I've been my best have always been when either my wife or other men, or let's just, let's just blanket statement when other believers help me stand on my own two feet. Right. And extra backstory here. I have 61 certifications. I'm one of 14 people in the world who have certain cybersecurity credentials. Like if you go out on the internet, you'll find me all over the place. And I'm the personality type that I don't need other people to look up to me. I basically want to prove it to myself. Right. Right. Don't know why, but that's how I'm in Like when people compliment me, it actually makes me feel uncomfortable, but I needed to prove to myself that I could get that high. So you have this guy who has passion and drive to push himself to do good things, achieve things. And in these moments, I learned that none of that matters because no matter how hard I try, I'm never going to be good enough. Yeah. And I'm sure people who've listened to this have heard this, but it's not about being good enough. Mm. What's and the message of the gospel? Right. And, but I guess, I guess it's hard to truly actually live it and believe it. Right. And so when this men's group and with my, well, it wife, takes a lot of pride. I mean, yes. Pride's got to get out of the way. Yes. Oh yeah. And I, I would say I have a chip on my shoulder just because there's really, at that point, I felt there's nothing I couldn't do if I put my mind to it. Yeah. And I, I needed to get the wind kicked out of me a little bit to realize that the things that actually matter aren't in that statement. <laughs> so did your, you know, when you say get the wind kicked out of you, did that happen through these problems with the addiction? You yeah. think? I mean, was that when, and you admitting it was finally like getting the wind kicked out of you a little bit? A lot. Like uh, rock bottom absolutely depressed um think zero of myself right uh and even like because that not that night after the men's group i told my wife again for the second time broke her heart again probably even harder that time um but that was absolute rock bottom for me 
Mm. I, I wouldn't say that I, I would was suicidal at that point, but I hated to myself to the point where I, those ideas thought can't crop in my mind. What, you know, what's the point living just, yeah, absolutely rock bottom. Mm. Um, Alexis again, forgive me. She's a woman of grace. She's a woman after God's heart. Um, plugged into a different men's group at that point. Uh, cause I moved from that larger group to, from talking to you actually, mm-hmm. uh, to a group with, uh, Corey Tucker, fantastic guy. He is a gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the guy running down the street with the wolf dogs. That's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, but he, he started a group cause he was looking for how can we as men be actionable and actually pursue Christ. Mm-hmm. And, um, he has his own history and testimonies and stuff. And so, and I was at the time talking to you a little bit about the same thing and you paired us together. We got some, you know, another gentleman together and we started a group was just about literally telling our testimonies and getting to know each other at a deep level and truly trying to actively pursue that relationship with Christ. And, uh, yeah. Being disciples yeah. You know, it's, and understanding that, like you said earlier, that none of us are good enough to yep. actually be a disciple. None of us are good enough for to earn any sort of salvation. Yep. So how do we do this, and how 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 desperate do we need each other in order oh, yeah. to to do that? So you you were in a, a small group of guys, kind of got that rolling. Yep. So everybody starts sharing their testimony, and it's it's interesting because there's a common thread. Like you start to realize when you analyze like your heart, there's clearly a common thread to our patterns of sin. Mm but everyone's was different at the same time. Uh, and we grew extremely close in a very short period of time just by telling our testimonies. Like yeah. when you get it raw, then it's a, it, it's a, it sparks a flame. And then the next person does the same thing. And all of a sudden you hear these strangers that you didn't know two weeks ago and they know more about you than your family does. Now I took kind of a, I mean, a special commitment on your guys' part that you're going to do that ahead of time. This is what we're doing. Yep. Why, why do you think, and I, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, I, mean, I want you to continue, but I really am curious about this question. Why do you think it's so hard for men to do that naturally? Because that was almost the forced thing, you know what I mean? Like you decided together like ahead of time what you're going to, you're going to share your testimony, you're going to be, you're going to be raw and honest, and that's just the rule. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily happen just kind of naturally between men. Why is that? Why, what are we afraid of? Cause you talked about being afraid. Yeah. I, I, and I, I can't say I clearly have an answer to this. I, I can give you my opinion of it. Oh, that's fine. I mean, I think it's, it's multiple things. I think one societal, just like the moral code, men are supposed to be strong, take care of the family and mm-hmm. just, you know, the tough, good old boy adage. And I think that's generational as well. Cause I think different generations are now, no, you need to be more emotional but, uh, you know, I was raised, you know, suck it up. Like, you know, you skinned your knee. Ah, okay, get back up, go. Like, oh, you have a problem? Well, it's not that big of a problem. And so you bury it and then you bury it. And the more you bury it, the more shamed you become. Hmm. Like, even when I committed to telling those guys things, I was up tossing and turning the entire night before I had to give my testimony uh, you know, my heart was pumping really fast sitting in the room, the 15 minutes before we started, just like we're doing casual chat, but my, my heart's about ready to bump out of my chest. And mm. I know I'm going to give this and I want to be open and honest, but then in my mind, like there's some really embarrassing stuff that I've done. I really don't want to say that. And 
you know, what happens if they look at me stupid or, or say something or like, even like in, in your head, you're thinking like, even if they just give you like body language, it's going to hurt so bad. Mm -hmm. But at the end of it, it's really you who's caring. Like mm. I'm stubborn clung to my ashamed. Cause really did it, would it have mattered if these strangers looked at me funny? And you know, I, I could say today I could, I, I'd be like, yeah, I shouldn't, but it does. Yeah. It, it's still like if one of those guys were to come up to me and laugh at some of the things I told my story today, I would, I would break me. Like, yeah. It just would. And so if it's that important to you, how can you like, it's, it's, you're risking yourself by telling these strangers things. And even like Alexis knows my, like she knows everything, but that wasn't like an immediate stage in our marriage. Like I had to build up to that. And even that right. was scary. And it's my own wife. Right. So I, I think you've got the, the how men are viewed and perceived that plays through your head. We tend to think that our stuff is truly unique because mm. it's our, it's our only, it's the only time we've experienced it was when we did it ourselves. Right. No one else is going through it. Right. And yeah. in your mind, you can say, well, that we know that's not true, but it, it, saying something and believing it are not the same thing. Right. And that guilt and shame is like, it just weighs you down and shackles you. And the more you do it, the farther you get shackled and the harder it is to hit rock bottom. But that's actually not a true statement either, because all you have to do is be willing to throw that backpack off and talk and confess. And mm -hmm. when you read the Bible, confess your sins to one and another, you don't imagine, Oh, here's these group of believers that I really don't know that well. Here, let me tell them all the things I've done. Now you imagine priests like in a, the Catholic, you know, the little room right. thing and right. little booth. It's not the same thing, but right. I think that's what it really meant was build non surface level relationships with other Christians. Let them into your heart, which is a broken sinful thing, which will never truly be whole. But when Jesus lives in you, because you confess your sins to one another, you start to remind each other to follow Jesus and, I think the thing I've learned from the men's group the most of all is I cannot follow Jesus just by myself. Mm -hmm. I've thought I could. I thought the whole thing about pursuing the Bible and pursuing Jesus was so that I, Justin Henderson could follow Christ. Mm. I'm not strong enough to do it on my own. I have to constantly give up my sins and I need other men so that I can keep my mind pure and, you know, treat my wife with respect. I don't know how many times we talk about petty marital things in the person talking is clearly in the wrong in the men's group, but they can't see it as they're talking. And then when we all of a sudden we're like, yeah, but your wife's right. <laughs> yeah. Then all of a sudden when we say it, they're like, oh yeah, totally. But if your wife says it, your wall's up. And yeah. You're defensive. Yeah. And, and so when you have these groups, it's like you come in with your wall down Yeah, and you walk out and you're healed and the world seems to be spinning in the right direction and Jesus is actively a part of you. And it sounds so silly, but man, having a men's group has changed my life and it's changed my marriage. I never would have thought that until I've been in it. Wow. Now, obviously, I mean, I think this is to be assumed, but I want you to hear, hear you talk about it a little bit more. And that is obviously when you shared your story with these guys, you did not get that response. No. that you were talking about with the the judgmental or body language. And 
I also know, uh, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but even though you guys had made the pledge to everybody share their story, you're one of the first guys in the group to share, correct? Uh, so the first group I was in was only three. Only three guys. And I think I was the second one because Corey led that group. Okay. He did a fantastic job, by the way. Um, but after that group, we had discussed that, you know, we want to be like King David, men after God's own heart. And what does that mean? And, you know, I'm still trying to mm-hmm. figure out in my day-to-day sure. walk, what is that? Like, why did David, who did all these horrible things, why was he considered a man after God's own heart? By the way, that's a really good story for anybody to look into because he did a lot of messed up things. Yet yeah, he, he was a man after God's own heart. In fact, you could say he was worse than Saul. Yeah. When it comes to the actual yeah, like, stuff. So, like... I, I was really like that kept playing over and over in my mind. And so the only thing I felt is the more I looked into it is, well, if this helped me so much, I'm going to do that because there's got to be other folks just like me who need this. So I started another group and I, from day one, I, I did, I was the first testimony. I got just as vulnerable about myself as I did. And again, that was like infectious. Mm-hmm. Because whoever leads the group, if they're vulnerable, then the rest are vulnerable. And my second group, which yeah. is uh, five men counting myself, yeah, like there was weeping, like open weeping. There was mm-hmm. anger, hardcore. There was basically every emotion that you would never see in a men's group. We we did that. Mm-hmm. Like it was so raw, even to the point where. <laughs> I remember one of the guys gave his testimony and immediately after we hugged him and prayed for him and it was zero awkwardness whatsoever. Like we hurt so badly for his testimony that it was just like a shame for anybody who's not willing to give this man a hug. (laughs) It was just, so we did, but that week it was probably Wednesday, like three days later. I don't know what it was probably three days later though before I could emotionally recover just from hearing his testimony. Wow. Like I was tired and I was drained and it was clearly because I hurt so bad. He was sharing, sharing his burdens. For that guy. And I'm still in touch with him on every week and love that man to death. Really good friend. I'm not mentioning names just because. Sure. Sure. But, um, and then I've done it a third time and I intend to do it a fourth and a fifth and, as long as I actually see these results and it feels like we're helping folks, including I actually gain from every one of these groups. Like, let's be clear. There is absolutely self-interest in these. Sure. Now I can come to Darren, like Darren, let's start another group. There's a bunch of men that need help, but I am a absolute better man. Uh, The gaps in time between starting one group to the another, those are the ones I struggle the most, like by a long shot. Yeah. But you get back into the men's group and, I don't know how to describe yeah. it, but like it, it's, it's just so f- freeing is not the right word. You're not walking along alone, right? Jesus is clearly there, but you feel his presence because of these other guys who are getting their teeth kicked out. Yeah, there's of them. a reason why Jesus had, you know, more than one guy as a disciple. Yeah. <laughs> had 12 guys and we sent him out two by two and yep. you know, there was always that camaraderie. Yeah, I, you've heard me say this a lot. Like, New Hope is not the church. Right. I'm the church. You're the church. Yeah. Whoever's listening to this, you're the church. That's right. We and I, I think what it truly means when it talks about two or three gathering, well, I mean, that's judgment and stuff. But yeah, there, there's, there's so much scripture about us coming together that for those of you who are just staying at home and receiving Sunday messages, 
telling you right now, you're missing out on so much. And a lot of that's for you. Yeah. Not just you giving to someone else, which will naturally happen if you get together with other people who are believers. Well, exactly. And that's it's there's so much that's supposed to be communal in the scripture that we have turned it into an individual because we're an individualistic society. Yep. So we've turned these communal teachings into individualistic teachings. Uh, and, and here's the thing is when you say that, you know, people watching online, for instance, a, a service, uh, we're not talking necessarily about having to be there every Sunday morning. We're talking about the fact you need to be with other Christians, yep. period, you know, with people. Now, in one thing I want to talk, uh, one thing I want to say real quick, and I got a question, is that uh, and I, me- I remember a meeting with Corey when you first started, you were t- talking about him, and then yourself. One of the things, and you guys both led with your own testimonies in those groups. And I remember talking about with him and also with you that, that vulnerability has got to come from the leader first. Absolutely. It's got to come from you first. If you want to, if you want to set the pattern for what's going to happen in your group. Well, let me interrupt for you there. Yeah. How many of you have ever gone to what we consider a small group, right? Just yeah. a gathering of Christian believers, whether they call it small groups or something else from any church anywhere. But you did that for weeks or months on end, but you never felt like you got to know folks and it, it's what I would call surface level. And you talked about Bible, like it was a Bible study or insert some topic here. But if you try to remember back to it, you don't remember that much and you didn't learn that much out of it. And I'm not saying those are bad, but it's different than what we're talking about. It was fun and you gained some friends, Yeah, but you're not so sure how much discipleship's going on. Yep. And that's the question I have for you is that how do you separate or what, what is it about these groups that have brought you to be a closer disciple. Now, see, it's, it's one thing to hear, share each other's stories and lean on each other and cry for each other, mm-hmm. right? Which is very important and which helps shape you as a disciple. But how do you move on? You know what I mean? Uh, just speak to me a little bit about that. How do you move? What does this do for you in this sense of, and having these deeper relationships with Christian men, how does that really further your walk as getting closer to Jesus? Well, so root cause and analysis, right? You get to the root cause. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I mean, honestly, that's the answer is when you have a deep relationship mm, yeah. with people, for one, that's very easy to translate to having a deep relationship with Jesus and God and like your walk, your worship. It brings it into focus in a way that you weren't seeing before mm. because we, while we're called to be not of this world, we're still of this world. We still have worldly struggles and worldly issues. And so when others have it and you get to know them at a deep level, you don't feel alone. You have someone else who's not just praying for you, but helping you solve problems. Like our men's group was not a, oh, let me pray for you. Oh yeah, we prayed for each other, but no, like in the current group I'm in, like one other guy's working with another guy because he lost his job. And so he's actively getting paid and drawing income and living and breathing and eating off the group Mm, mm. other ones there's various medical issues there's like there's still there's pornography comes up in almost every men's group like but when you share that burden and you can realize you're not alone and i don't know why it's in man's character to just i'm gonna do it myself yeah yeah then all of a sudden at night when i go to bed it's a little bit easier to be like jesus sorry i i'm I'm not the man you called me to be. I'm broken. I will always be broken. And I'm going to remember that I'm always going to be broken. 
But by acknowledging that I can bring it to the table, I can let you lift me up or yeah. carry me. And yeah. you, I guess maybe it's, you humble yourself when you just weren't willing to do that before, because that vulnerability mm-hmm. brings you to a mindset that men just know, don't, we don't naturally do. In fact, I would actually say we avoid it like the plague. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, again, I'm not, not trying to speak for all men, but uh, I just know for a lot of you listening and not listening, like you've got secrets. It's not going to get better till you let them out. I'm not saying you got to tell me, but it's just different. Like if you just say, I'm only going to tell God, are you really actually dealing with it? Yeah. Because he did call us to be there for each other. And that's hard because Christians are flawed and one of them might let you down. Yeah. I think, I think people have had experiences, if you will, where they've gotten burned. Yep. You have a hard time being vulnerable. Yeah. You know, because of that. And that's understandable. Yep. To a certain degree, but, but you have to ask yourself, are you content? And that, and that's why I like these small groups with men's men in particular for me, when I start and I'm vulnerable and I share some of my deepest, darkest secrets and let's be clear, every single time I've shared those, I've been ashamed and I've had that same heart pumping and I don't want to share them. I really don't. But now I get to help all these other men who have actually some of them completely different issues, but they're willing to share it because I was willing to Mm -hmm. share some really bad, embarrassing and so on stuff about myself. So now they're like, well, he did all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe, you know, and I always, I mean, I joke around a little bit. It's like, you know, you know, technically if you killed someone the Bible still says you're supposed to turn yourself over to the authorities. But uh, other than that, (laughs) (laughs) well, I, how does it, I guess, I guess one question I have too is the re- in being vulnerable with each other also, don't you think it also allows you to be able to speak into the other person's life with just about anything at that point? Oh yeah. Because if I know, if I know the deepest and darkest thing about you, but we're still friends, <laughs> there's still grace, mm-hmm. still love between us. Then the next thing that comes up may have nothing to do with that particular issue or problem that you have. Oh, yeah. It may have to do with just us trying to figure out how to, Fill in the blank, do this better in life or how to be a better husband or, you know, father that I have, it kind of gives me a right to kind of speak into, and I want you to do the same for me, you know, but it's, I don't, I feel like people have a hard time doing that. Absolutely. uh, Unless they really know each other. Yep. Well, in in the, in an intimate way, there's a gentleman in my current group by the name of Steve. I'll say his name because he won't care. I want to give him, he won't care for one thing. (laughs) And I'm going to have him on here sometime. Steve so. has identified issues in my life that I didn't know were there. Mm. Mm. So I, I'm leading this group. I'm trying to set precedent. Like, stop it, Steve. I'm leading stop. the group, not you. No, like, but, but he <laughs> all of a sudden he'll get that look on his face and he'll say something deep and profound. Uh, and, and to be honest, like, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one that he's called out on me. Um, because of my career, I make a good income. And so I have a nice house. I have all those animals, but it's dirty a lot. I, I mean, I've, we've gone to marriage counseling and stuff like that. And, and, and it's not, I'm not saying it's Alexa's fault either, but the fact that I have quote unquote nice things, but sometimes it's a dirty environment really upsets me a lot more than I would actually be willing to acknowledge to most folks. Hmm. And without even saying that, he basically pointed it out. Hmm. <laughs> 
And he started giving me possible solutions and answers and ways to address it or how to communicate my needs to my wife, which to be honest, I wasn't because I don't want to be petty. She does a lot of good things. She has a big heart and I don't want her to feel overwhelmed Well, for her to feel like it's her problem or her. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's not right. Not her fault, but that spills over into the kids and how I treat the kids and like it. Yeah. All these things. And so here he is pointing out something that in my life at in this current stage of life is actually a really big deal for me and it affects everything else. And so I start to address it mm. and things have already gotten so much better. And I can't believe how much weight that's lifted off and stress when I didn't even know it was there. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I knew to a degree, but not like some of the stuff that Alexis has done since I actually talked to her. Right has made me feel already like 90 times better. Yeah. But that wasn't fair because I wasn't communicating and I was internalizing and I didn't even know. It. And again, this men's group, when you're vulnerable, people also get to know the real you. Mm. And so they can connect the dots even when you're not doing it yourself. That's really and, good. And that happens yeah. for all of us in that group. You know, it's, it's so easy. I'm just being honest. I think it's so easy for men's groups, women's groups, whatever. Mm-hmm. At times when you say, well, we, we're getting to know each other and we're able to share everything. It's easy to get gossipy or to do a gripe session Yep. about your spouse, about your kids, whatever. But uh, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about being intentional. Yeah. Get about getting to know each other. Yeah. And, and, how you, and how you want to move forward with Jesus. You want to be a better husband, better father. It's not about laying the feet or blame at your wife's feet or... No, you know, or hus- wives with husbands. No. There are some groups that are like that. I mean, I've, I've seen them, I've heard them and it's like, well, I understand you're hurting, but where are we going from here? Yeah. And, that's, and I would say these groups, at least so far, we've, we've came into them with intent one to be vulnerable right off the set. Right. And two, to be in our case, since it's a men group, men after God's own heart. Yeah. So I can't say that We're we have started scripture. griping, yeah. but we shut it down because that's not the point. Right. And even like, in fact, one of the things that we, we do a lot that we have to shut down a lot is uh, we're men, so we overanalyze and try to come up with solutions. <laughs> fix everything. Yeah, yeah, we try to fix everything. When sometimes it's just, no, just that's not going to get fixed. Turn it over to God, and you know if you need someone to talk to, we're here, but it's, it's not going to be fixed. But we want to fix it. The, we, get to, we get to loving each other so much that we try to help each other with all the things, mm-hmm. and sometimes we take it too far. Which, But you know what? Sometimes you do fix things. We fix a lot of things. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, yeah. and I find that really refreshing sometimes with, with other guys because I know I don't know how many times, you know, my wife has said, a lot of women, you know, I think anyway, my wife, I mean, she's, I think she's like a lot of women is what I'm trying to say is, and she says that, hey, I, so I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen. Yep. And I understand that. And she's absolutely right. But sometimes as a man, I do want it fixed. You know, <laughs> I need some other guy to, you know, help me out, get that fixed. Yep. Yeah, no, that's, that's really, really good stuff. I really appreciate your your openness, Justin. Appreciate your leadership. Appreciate the fact that you've been vulnerable uh, with other guys. Because here's the other thing too: is you don't know, even man, with which guy you're working with in your group is going to turn around and do what they're going to do for the kingdom. Yep. You know what I mean? Like someone told me, and I talked about this before in another podcast: is uh, we should be worried about our spiritual grandchildren. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, the people we work with, who are they going to reach for the cause of Christ? Uh, one last question I've got before we leave. You know, I find this, 
I find this interesting. And I don't know. I'm just asking you what you think, you know, as friends, we talk a lot. Most of our discussion is always centered around people in church, you know, like, or our Christian friends, Christian guys. And yeah, because of Jesus and because of that commonality with him and us trying to be disciples of him, we can be vulnerable with each other. We can be. But how much do, or how do we reach the guy who doesn't believe? You know, what, what do you say to, I just can't imagine that there's a lot of people who have those kinds of relationships. Um, even if, you know, if they're not a believer. I don't know. how. What should we do as Christian men to, to keep reaching out? Yep. Yeah. Now, I, to be honest, that's a question that I internalize a lot because I really want to be a man after God's own heart. But then when you also look in the New Testament with Jesus, he was with sinners a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We don't. He had times with the disciples. There were different times. Yep. You know, it wasn't like he, he didn't teach everything to everybody like he did to the disciples. So it wasn't like there weren't separate times. You know, but yeah, you're right. He was with sinners a lot. So, and, and I could, I could, I could say the whole like, and I feel like this is in some aspects of justification is, well, some sow, some reap, and so I could say, yeah. well, my job is to work with other Christian men and sow, and then other people will reap from that. And, but I do feel like we are all called to make disciples, and that doesn't mean just make current disciples better, but yeah, reach others. And I really don't have a good answer for that. And that's something we've, you and I have even gone back and forth on because you have to be present. So like one of the things I tr- I'm, I'm playing with, I don't know if it works. Uh, to be honest, I don't know. I don't have an answer that I know works for any of this. Right. Sure. Um, but because of my career and being known within the industry, I do like, free mentoring sessions and I have strangers that I have know nothing about reaching out to me and I try to help them out in their career, but I also casually basically try to get to know them and let them know I'm here for them. And then I don't push Jesus down their throat. I just want them to get comfortable and know me. And then, then I'll start to be like, well, a lot of the reasons I have success is well, cause true success has nothing to do with this and blah. Uh, right. Right. It's, it's getting that, that, gateway or that opening or some one of the books i've read i don't remember the name of it was the concept of just trying to put a pebble in someone's shoe make mm. them uncomfortable enough that mm. then maybe someone else who starts yeah. talking brings them all the way in yeah but uh, like in new hope the kids ministry bringing 180 a fun environment to get unbelieving children present i feel like that clearly is a, a win i feel like maybe sometimes we get too comfortable with that Mm-hmm. because we need to be doing more than that. And mm-hmm. adults in our community, that's not going to work. Yeah. So I don't know if it's playing golf with sinners. I don't golf, by the way, so don't invite me. I don't want to golf. <laughs> <laughs> but like to me, like it's... I know what you mean. Yeah, when you say sinners, you mean we're, you know, we're in the same boat, obviously. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I know what you, I know you're saying. You're, you're saying the thing that says in the New Testament a lot. That it's just really interesting when they use the word sinners because usually it's like the Pharisees are these religious leaders who are calling them sinners. Mm-hmm. Meaning all these people that that are the outcasts, the people that that uh, are are not religious, you know that kind of thing, and and it's really a bad way of saying it. You know, we we get caught up in it because it's what's in the New Testament, but but uh, because I see myself as being that that sinner, and because I do, then I'm worried about that other guy mm-hmm. down the street here that that doesn't know Jesus at all. 
because I we're the same. But I, I want you know. I, I think of it like um, I know you believe that too. Yeah, it, but you don't have the opportunity to help say an unbeliever in really any capacity if you don't know the unbeliever. Yeah, and so yeah. like in yeah. in our men's group, like if there's financial crises, uh, marriage crisis, like we can try to be there and solve that problem as we put earlier. I can't do that for the unbelieving man if I don't have my door open to the unbelieving man. Right. Um, so that's the first step. Yeah. I mean, even, even Just like being the, conscious, but then like, say like the men's group, like you, you pour your bleeding heart out, like you can do that with an unbeliever. Yeah. And to be honest, I think the answer should be, yep. You should like if I found another person out there who is struggling with pornography or any other thing, I think I would be open to having them in one of the men's group, even if I knew they were openly anti-Christian. Like if they are like, no, I don't believe that whatsoever. I would still want them in my door. Yeah. I don't have the answer on how to let them know that there's someone here that's willing to do that for them though. No, that's good. I, I appreciate your honesty there. I think it is. It's, it's something we always got to be talking about working on and being open to. So I really appreciate that. One last thing, we're closing in on an hour, which is one of our longer podcasts, which is fantastic. I talk too much. No, not at all. (laughs) What I mean is it's just been so good. Um, And I I don't really want, I don't think I'm going to divide this up. So if you're still listening, you've been a trooper listening for an hour. But I I do want you to say one more thing, if you would. And that is, uh, I I want you to, if you would, speak to our audience here, which are New Hope people, uh, which are... Mainly uh, people, maybe there's wives that are listening right now. Uh, maybe there's some guys listening right now. Either way, uh, would you speak to them about why you think it's important for for uh, our men at our church, their their husbands maybe, or the men that are listening too, uh, that they need they need to have a group like this or get involved? I mean, you need something. You, you need to not walk this road alone. And don't just say, I've got my Bible up against my arm, holding it close to my body, and Jesus is with me. Because Jesus called disciples, and then he put them there to be his arms and legs and feet. And, like, we're here for each other because he called us to be. Men, quit being so stubborn and trying to do it on your own. and Quit lying to yourself and justifying, well, if I tell my wife or if I... You know, again, I'm not just talking pornography, anything like gambling, you know, you're just an angry person. Like just actually address the real issue. Don't be ashamed yeah. because we're all broken. And, and wives, since I know this one's been primarily geared towards like my men's group, you're not alone either. Like I like my wife, Alexis, I know for a fact, if you're struggling, she, you call her, you get a room, you go to lunch, you don't have any money. She'd buy you lunch. You don't have a room. We get you a hotel or something like there are people here in this community, and I'm not even mentioning new. I'm just saying the community, the Christian community, the church is us people. Yeah, yeah. And we can't act as a church if we're yeah. too stubborn to open the doors and let people in. And that's a vulnerability issue of the heart, which, again, going back to King David, he was a, a man after God's own heart, yeah. which you don't get to by listening to your heart. you got to open it and let someone in. Yeah. That's excellent. New Hope people, we don't want you to depend on us for your spiritual maturity or for your salvation. We want you to depend on the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what Justin is saying. What is uh, God calling you to do? And I, I've got a men's Bible study. They'll start up again in the fall. <coughs> Excuse me. In September, every Tuesday night, we have a men's Bible study. And one of my goals 
to teach men how to study the Bible, but also I want to see them get in one of these one of these groups you know, to get to get to know some guys in a deeper level. So Bible study is a good place to start. Yeah, you know, coming out. So we'll talk more about that. But hey, Justin, thanks a lot for being on the show. Glad to be here. And uh, hey, join us again in two weeks. Thank you.